the Saudi football podcast which looks at the results and developments from our beloved Saudi Pro League and this week at the start of the 2026 World Cup and 2027 Asian Cup qualifiers as well so much on the horizon with me as always is our new sport editor Ali Khaled while our man in uh, Riyadh giving us our regular updates and dispatches Khaled Al Arafa he'll be giving us his latest as well Ali, it's rare that we don't have midweek matches to look back on. Um, it is, of course, the case that we're heading into the last international break of 2023. Uh, but before we look ahead to those matches involving Saudi Arabia and the rest of the Arab teams, uh, what were your personal highlights from last week's round of SPL? Hi, Peter. Good to see you again, mate. Good to be back uh, for mm. another episode. Uh, Look, I think uh, last week's matches, uh, you know, went as expected, really. Uh, we looked at Al-Hilal hosting the high-flying surprise of the season, Al-Ta'awun, uh, as probably the match of the week. And mm. we predicted, you know, as well as Al-Ta'awun have been playing, really punching above their weight, we thought Al-Hilal w- would win. I think I predicted 2-1 to Al-Hilal. They won 2-0 with goals from Mohamed Kanu, who is brilliant, you know, one of my favorite players. And the second by who else... I'll let you say it, Peter, as he's one of your old favourites. Uh, Mitro's on fire. Alexander Mitro. Mitrovic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He is on fire. Yeah, and uh, he's been on fire for a while. Now, w- what a season he's having. 10 goals in 11 appearances. Only one man has scored more goals. No prizes for guessing. It's Cristiano Ronaldo with 13. And speaking of Cristiano, Al Nasser continued their amazing form, really. Uh, run of form. Uh, they beat uh, Al Wahda 3-1. Goals from Talas, Al-Amri, and Ronaldo himself. Uh, so, look, Al-Hilal remain top, unbeaten with 35 points. Al-Nasr are second, four points behind. Pete, we said this could turn into a two-horse race quickly if the other teams aren't careful. Well, a bit of a gap is starting to develop with the rest. Al-Ahli are third, but they're five points behind Al-Nasr after dropping points in the 2-2 against Damak, which we mentioned last week. Um, so, look, it, that, that gap is starting to develop between the top two and the rest. At the moment, no one can touch Al-Hilal and Al-Nasser. Looking really, really strong. Look, we had a big, big segment last week, a major news to talk about on the show, which was the the sacking of Nuno Sanso. Uh, But there was better news on the horizon for the champions over the weekend after his departure. Yeah, um, yeah, indeed. Uh, I wouldn't call it a new manager bounce, as they were still without a manager, but uh, it had beat Abha 4-2 with Karim Benzema scoring a hat-trick. Uh, last week, we mentioned about like the altercation he had uh, with Santo in, the last, uh, in, his, in Santo's last match, which is in the Champions League. And, you know, he'd, Benzema had com, you know, complained about uh, Santo previously to the management, saying you know, he's not the right man for the job. So, you know, Santo leaves and Benzema scores a hat-trick in the 4-2 win. So, uh, you, know, <laughs> um, you know, maybe he had a point, uh, you know, 
We'll see how things pan out. Uh, Etihad are now in fifth, but they're still 11 points uh, behind Al-Hilal. That's a massive, massive difference at, at this point for the champions. Uh, there's a rumor that the Argentine coach, uh, Marcelo Gallardo, who used to be with uh, River Plate, of course, very successful at River Plate, uh, could be in line to take over at Etihad. But at the time of recording this, Peter, right now, we nothing's been confirmed. So uh, finally, a quick mention of Ittifak, another nil-nil draw. For Steven Gerrard's team, struggling for goals without the injured Moussa yep. Dembele, um, as the coach himself admitted, he said, you know, we're really, really struggling without strikers. We need a striker. Uh, they're now in seventh. Yeah, they, you know, not playing too badly, but their form has leveled off a little bit since that great start to the season. OK, time to shift our attention to the international scene. And we start with Arab news reporter Talad Al-Arafa giving us the latest from the Saudi national team camp in Riyadh. Over to you, Khaled. Hi, Ali. Hi, Peter. How are you guys? So uh, we are in the FIFA days. Let me give you a brief of the Saudi football national team camp. This camp uh, is in Al-Ahsa. Uh, It comes in uh, preparation for the first and second rounds of the Asian qualifiers for the 2026 World Cup and the 2027 Asian Cup. The Saudis are going to play two matches. First one is going to be against Pakistan on November 16th at Al-Fatih Club Stadium. It's a new stadium that just opened a couple of weeks ago. And the second one is going to be against Jordan in Amman uh, on the 21st of November. Uh, as we can see, Ali, that Mancini this time added to the list a lot of new names, uh, which is their first time to join the Saudi national team. And as well, there are a couple of names that they were missing. For example, we don't see uh, Sultan Al-Ghannam, one of the best players uh, from Al-Nasr, and as well, Mohamed Kanno, one of the best players in Al-Hilal. And we don't see Firas Al-Braikan, one of the best strikers in Saudi Arabia. Probably he's uh, testing the players, probably, or he's trying to build a new team. Uh, we're just going to wait and see. And uh, one of the biggest problems that just happened uh, uh, two days ago, Salim Dosri just left the camp after he didn't feel well uh, in his ankle. Uh, he was injured in the last match for Al-Hilal against the Ta'awun. And the doctor of the Saudi national team said that he's not able to play these two matches. So they decided... To let the player go back to Al-Hilal, where the doctor of Al-Hilal will take care of him. And uh, that's it. I'll get back to you, Ali and Peter, after the first match. And I'll, I'll give you uh, another brief of uh, the match. And after the media, what, what, what are they going to say after that match? Bye and take care. Okay, it's time to introduce our guest. And who better to give us his expert opinion on the region's national teams than Matt Monaghan. Matt, welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. How's it going? Great. Matt, mate, um, good to see you again. Um, obviously, Saudi Arabia's kick off their uh, World Cup slash uh, AFC Asian Cup qualifiers against Pakistan. I mean, we, we've been talking in recent weeks about the difficult start Mancini's had, and uh, but surely, surely they can, you know, they must beat uh, Pakistan in their open. What do you take on that? I mean, what a story it would be if they didn't. I mean, Pakistan, obviously, they are making history getting this far. Uh, a squad that is completely cobbled together as well. No, I think I think with Saudi Arabia, obviously, you know, win is an absolute must. It's it's more than expected. And I feel that Mancini's basically made a, a calculated gamble. If you look at the squad selected, I think is it I think up to eighteen players. I'd I'd have no caps or less than ten caps. 
Uh, no Salam al because of injuries. That's a chance maybe some other guys to step up to the plate. And for the big, big nations in uh, across Asia, the second round is basically a chance that you're probably not going to be in a group that's going to really test you too hard. You're going to progress. So it's a chance to maybe experiment here and there. I think with Mancini now, it's all about building momentum. He's really stuttered out the starting blocks, hasn't he? And now, you know, win today... And then, oh, you know, there is a much tougher game to come against Jordan. Obviously, Musa Tamari has been one of the better players in European mm-hmm. football so far this season. So that'll be a test. It's never easy going to Jordan, as nations like Australia can attest to. But yeah, this is, I think these are on paper, they're easier fixtures than some of the friendlies that Mancini has faced against the likes of Nigeria and South Korea. Yeah, I mean, um, just going on uh, Mancini's matches uh, so far, I mean, the same problems that we've been sure mentioning over and over, which is a lack of firepower. You know, they're, uh, mm. they, they are struggling. And, you know, losing uh, Salem at Dossary uh, so close to the qualifiers shouldn't be a problem against Pakistan, but it is still a problem, you know, because, you know, they rely on him or sometimes over-rely on him for goals. And uh, so, you know, they really should get the three points without uh, uh, many problems against um, um, Pakistan. But, you know, you never count anything uh, you know, in football. And also, you know, that lack of firepower, if it persists, would be a problem against Jordan. Yeah, I think what is intriguing, if you look at the selection, is some of the guys that are not here. You've got no Abdullah Hamdan is not here. And most, I think most glaringly, Faraz Al-Birakan is not here. Uh, when you talk about firepower, he is, he'll be the Saudi Arabian player that scored by far the most goals in Russian Saudi League over the last two seasons. Um, he did feature, he's featured in friendlies before in the Mancini, uh, is not here this time. So it's a big call, isn't it? I mean, if you look at that, the options and attack, Salah Al-Shefri, obviously um, only ever a bit part player at Al-Halal. And then the, the, the youngsters like Talal Haji, uh, Mohamed Maran, this, this, I think he's really trying to, he's trying to discover that player, isn't he, who can maybe provide a regular source of goals up top. And uh, it's very, it's intriguing. I find it, a really bold call. What has been made? What the what he's made up top? Yeah, uh, Matt. I mean, you mentioned Atamari of uh, Jordan. Moving on to the Jordan match next Tuesday, you mentioned Atamari, uh, who's uh, really sort of performing at a very high level in Europe. Uh, you know, we 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 will assume you know, Mancini will work on his defense. You know, um, they don't concede much, and you know, like any. Italian coach <laughs> worth his salt, you know they'll they'll be they'll be organised, they'll be strong defensively, but they really got to be aware of uh, Tamari, especially in in Amman, you know where they're going to get the fans behind them. You already mentioned not an easy place to go. That could be a tough, uh, really tough match. Uh, Mancini, uh, I think if you look at Mancini's playing career and managerial career, he's someone who's. He might be Italian by birth, but he's not Italian by nature, I guess, when it comes to the traditional image of Italian football. We've seen that so far with Saudi Arabia. Um, off the top of my head, obviously, I'll go straight to the Nigeria game. There was, it was, there was some very interesting defending and goalkeeping in the match. And I think what's a positive for Mancini, it has to be a positive for now and maybe for the next decade or so, is that Nawaf Alakidi's here, he's available and I think that's someone who could develop into the best goalkeeper in Asia. I think he really does have that potential. So that could be the start of a new era coming to de- uh, coming with the games uh, this month. Um, Matt, in contrast to uh, Mancini's difficult start, shall we say? Um, I mean, they were all friendlies, but still, you know, there's no wins yet. Three losses, one draw. In contrast, uh, Bento for the UAE has had a good start mm. again. 
they have been friendlies, you know, but, you know, you, if you are going to play friendlies, then you'd want them to be wins, you know. Uh, so they must, uh, the UAE must go into, you know, this campaign quite buoyant. And again, you know, like, in, you, we've, we've spoken about this on this show, you have, uh, Matt, uh, in that, you know, in the end, the UAE came relatively close in the last campaign without being an excellent team, really. They they had not really, like, performed at two or so high level, but they still came relatively close uh, for losing to Australia. Um, you know, they must have must be thinking this time, you know, 48 teams, they're going to be in with a chance. I think UE football just seems to be in a much better position than it was at this time in 2019. Uh, we've seen in the Champions League, Alain and Sharjah are doing so well. Uh, Shabab Al-Ali obviously put Al Nasser through the ringer, didn't he, in the, the playoffs. Um, so I think there really has been a step up in quality with the UAE. And what is, I say, with the most intriguing aspect for the UAE is the time span. So I think during this whole process, you've got the team that starts now under Paolo Bento, but over the next, uh, I guess, 18 months, well, in about 18 months' time, you could have a whole raft of naturalised players that become eligible which uh, I think if, I'll have to you know, look at the timings for that. It depends when the passports were issued, et cetera. But they are players that could really change the dial on UE football in the third round of qualifying. So it's all about getting in good condition and good shape under Paolo Bento, who's had an excellent start, including I think the headline was always obviously the 4-1 victory against Costa Rica, who had Kalor Navas in goal. So it was a strong Costa Rica team. And yeah, I just think Bento is just, I think he's a, a solid coach at this level. We had the... I think he had the record length of tenure with South Korea. He left on very warm term, terms with South Korea. Uh, he just he knows Asian football. He'll know the task at hand, and he's made a very impressive start so far. And he's got a, you know a lovely introduction to competitive games coming up. We've got Nepal at home, and then you know a reasonably strong test against Bahrain away. Uh, and to get through those two, I think you know UAE football can feel it's really on the up. Matt, you mentioned um, some of those players that could, in eighteen months' time, when it gets to the you know the serious business of the third round, could could be representing the UAE. You know, give us a couple of names. Yeah, so I think the the standout one for me, I'll pick uh, Eric, who plays is the left back for Alain, um, mm-hmm. Brazilian. He came for Internacional, so you'll get much much better schooling than that. He's an absolute machine on the flank. Uh, also, his uh, I'd say his club mate as well, Kwame Otone, someone who the Ivory Coast have been looking at, and he has instead decided to go through the naturalised route. Uh, mm-hmm. Al Wassel uh, Jimenez, uh, he should also be, I think, coming online in, two, in 2025. He's been one of the best players in uh, Adnock Pro League this season, Al Wassel team that are right at the top of the table. He's a, a wonderfully inventive Argentine playmaker who loves running with the ball at his feet. And there's just so many names I could reel off. It's been a real noticeable strategy change, a long-term strategy change. And that's something the UEFA have been criticised for amongst uh, local media here is maybe thinking too short-term, a lack of long-term planning, even medium-term planning. But if you look at what they've done with naturalised players in the last three or so years, they've very much looked at the system, uh, looked at how they can make the most out of it. And they've brought online plenty of young players of real promise who can, you know, really switch the the the, the, the vision of where this team can go to. Great. And um, moving on to Qatar, I mean, again, uh, Carlos Quiroz, not, uh, not a great start. And uh, what, what's your take on Qatar? Well, I think with Qatar, so they play plenty of games, don't they? They always do that. And Kiros has already got lots of games under his belt, even though he's been in situ for less than a year. 
the one for Kiros, I guess, is you look at the last result, which was a real thumping by his former team, Iran. And Qatar, it's just the feeling now is, I think there's such a deflation around Qatar's performance at the World Cup. Uh, their two star players were actually, I would say, for my opinion, were the two worst players for Qatar, Akram and Fifa, and Amo, whereas Ali were, were dreadful at the World Cup. Um, they, if you look at the Expo Stars League this season, Almoez, Ali and Akram and Fifa are right near the top of the standings for goal scorers and assists. They're back amongst Chaos's selection now. And I guess it's the talent is there for Qatar. You just wonder, have they got the ability to join the real heavyweights of Asian football? Uh, if they can repeat again, if they can actually qualify for a World Cup on merit, um, we will see in the next few years. Um, and for me, it's... You've still got the likes of Alhaidos in midfield. I think he's someone I respect a great deal. I thought he's one of the few players from Qatar that came out of the World Cup with any form of credit. And now it's whether can Almoaz Ali and Akram Afif step up to the plate again and deliver on the youthful promise and deliver on the obviously the wonderful performances we saw at 2019 in the Asian Cup. We've got an Asian Cup coming up on home soil for Qatar as well. Let's not forget in about, about a month and a half time. So this is a, an intriguing period. I guess the thing with Kairos as well is he's got a very singular approach to coaching. Uh, we know all the stories, what he's about. Anyone who watched the David Beckham documentary recently on Netflix would have got a taste of what Carlos Kiros is about. So it's whether the, the Qatar players buy into his methods like the Iran players did. Yeah, and look, I mean, the, the Qatar's first two matches are Afghanistan at home and then India, where you really think, you know, they've got to get six points out of those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've got to. But I would say, obviously, like, Steamatch is doing a decent job of India. You never know there. But let's just see. I mean, it has to, again, I think for all the nations we're talking about, at this stage of World Cup qualifying, mm-hmm. you should be the heavy favourite going into almost every yeah. fixture. I think there's only there's only one group that looks tough. I think that's China's group with Thailand in it and a few other nations. That's the only team, uh, only group which looks like there's any real form of jeopardy in it. Yeah, just looking elsewhere very quickly regarding the Arab teams, um, you know, Palestine and Lebanon play each other here in, in the UAE. That's a, I mean, it's a derby match, isn't it? That's, yeah. uh, uh, I just, it just, it's impossible to comment on what the, how the players are going to enter that game. It's just, I mean, there's just obviously, we all know the situation going on there, how that affects the team. Can you, can these players focus on football? Uh, that's also both nations as well. It's both yeah. nations involved. So it's, I think this is one of the things that football seems to serve up so often where like nations are pitted together where it's more than a game to them at that present time. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a really intriguing match to see what happens. Great, Matt. Uh, thank you so much as always. Thanks guys. Well Have said. a good day. Well said, Matt. Hey Matt, you can't escape just yet. I always let you, (laughs) he's trying to get away, Ali, but he knows I've got a quiz coming for him. He knows I've got a question for him. Uh, Listen, we'll leave you with this little belter. 45 foreign players from the SPL have been called up by their national (laughs) teams. Only one team didn't send a single player. Which team? Which team? It's not not, not one single uh, foreign player. Not a single of, foreign player out of the wow. forty-five foreign players. From making, it, making it more difficult. For no, me. no, no. You, you, you said this is uh, right. This is really. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'm not googling the thing. I'm gonna Google the table. I need a reminder. So, <laughs> if I was to guess, yeah, Al Al Riyad. Incorrect, okay. mate. It's. It's, uh, you're going to be surprised. It's the champions Al Ittihad. No. Wow. 
That is a fantastic question. Yeah, Mate, Angola Kante was not today. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Angola Kante was a nice one, Peter. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're the only. We've got ourselves that all the big hitters have retired, haven't they? Yeah, uh, Al Nasser and Damak, both the highest with five players each. Yeah, I think I think the thing with that as well is that you look at the actual players that Al Nasser. I mean, it's again, I think it's a testament to the strength of the Saudi league that the players that have been called up from the nations are huge hitters in big, big international yeah. teams. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. Brilliant yeah. to see uh, the effervescent Matt Monaghan uh, back with us. Uh, we'll speak to you soon, Matt. Ali, as usual, we'll leave you with the last word, of course, uh, to the sports editor himself. Uh, but there's a catch with that last word. It means that we need predictions for Saudi's two games from you. So, obviously, we already mentioned Saudi's first match against uh, Pakistan at home. I can't see anything other. Nothing else would be acceptable but three points. Uh, should be a comfortable Saudi win. I know they've struggled for, for goals, but uh, I'm expecting a comfortable win. I'm going to say Saudi for Pakistan nil. The skin match, however, is really, really tough. I, I, I can see it being, uh, um, I'm not going to call it a, a banana skin, but it could be a banana skin for the Saudis. Mm. I still think if they play, especially on the back of a win against Pakistan, you know, if they go to Jordan, and they play to their uh, uh, to their potential. They should get something from the game. I'm going to go for a narrow win for the Saudis, one nil. But that's going to be a really, really tough one. A win's a win, but they need they they are needed, Ali. And uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed, of course. That's it for this week. Uh, we'll see you next week um, uh, when we get back to our SPL action. From all of us here, have a great sporting weekend. Mm-hmm.